0: We're to be sexually pure. And, which means everything. Not just in action, but in thought. So you can look at that and you say, man, how is that? that impossible? Because, I mean, all you got to do is drive on a curfews highway and you see billboards, you see everything. I mean, you turn on the TV. I mean, you'd listen to, if you listen to anything other than WDBA, you might hear something on the radio or whatever. How is how, that possible, Paul? How can we do that? How... Can we, I mean, in this sensual society we live in, how can we do it? Well, the fact is, is you can't. Not in and of yourself. But what we need to understand is, is that Paul's not a super Christian. Paul understands that the only way that he's able to do it is through Jesus. So then when you think about it, and this, this verse came to mind to me this morning in the shower. John 15, 5. He that abides in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for with, Without me, you can do nothing. So, when you see the standard which God has for us, and you see what the Scripture portrays to us, like we're to live our lives so that nobody is offended at the gospel, the only way that's possible is Jesus through me. The only way that's possible is Jesus through me, because if I do it in my own strength, how am I going to do it? I'm not going to do it, I'm going to fail. And see, what happens is, is, that I'll be honest with you. We've gotten to the place today as North American Christians where we just give up. We just give up. It's like, man, there's no way possible that anybody could do that. No way. So, like, for instance, in fact, that's what our society says. So, like, the church is, like, for instance, the church is promoting abstinence among young people. Society says, don't even bother. There's no way anybody could do that. No way possible that anybody could abstain until whatever. So, don't even bother. Well, you know, you're right. If you're left to your human self, you probably couldn't. But if God is able, yes, you can through you, if you rely upon him. And see, I think that's what we're missing in our messages today. So when we see something like this, where Paul says he avoided actions that, discredit, that would discredit his ministry, you have to understand, and we're going to see this a little bit later, especially next week when we get into, uh, excuse me, a little bit later when we get into chapter 12, he understands that the reason why he's able to do ministry is because of the grace of God through his life. But when we look at Paul, his defense of the ministry is, is that he avoided these actions so that no one would discredit his ministry. And then he says, why? Why did he do this? The purpose. He wanted every area of his life to reflect that he was a minister of God. He wanted every area of his life to reflect that he was a minister of God. Can I ask you a question? Don't answer it out loud, but you need to ask this to yourself in your mind. Do you want every area of your life? To reflect that you're a believer in Jesus Christ. And, and f- drop the word minister and put servant. Because again, we've got that blockage in our mind. That minister, well that's you George. No, no, no. Drop drop the word minister and put servant. Do you want every area of you to reflect that you are a believer in Jesus Christ? Meaning at work? With your buddies? Or with your family? Because remember, we could be somebody at work, we can be somebody at, we're somebody different at home. Or even when you're alone. Do you want every area to reflect that you're a believer in Jesus Christ? Paul wanted every area of his life to reflect that he was a servant of God, a minister of God. That's what motivated him. He wanted to be consistent in his life. You know, there's a concept that comes out of this. We don't hear very much about it anymore, but it used to be, and there's a reason why, because it got corrupted. The concept got corrupted, and I'll explain to you what it is in a minute. But before, the church used to always stress holiness. The church, how many of you remember that? As you hear, used to hear a lot about holiness. Now, the problem was it got corrupted. The concept got corrupted because Jesus, God said, be holy as I am holy. Now, it got corrupted because what happened was is that we tried to make it a little bit easier for each of us to live in holiness by doing this. We've decided it would be better for us to just come up with a bunch of set of rules of what you could and could not do in order to be holy. And see, we corrupted our concept of holiness. And so you were thought, man, what's the sense? How could you even do that? How could you even do that? And so, we've gotten, actually, we've swung to the other pendulum. We went to the legalism, now to where we have extreme liberality. So, anything goes. Anything goes. Do whatever. And so, it doesn't really matter anymore. But the problem is, is we still have that principle, be holy as I'm holy. And so, when Paul looked at it, he wanted every area to reflect holiness in his life. That he was a servant of God. And somehow we've got to find the balance. Because holiness isn't a bunch of rules. Holiness is reflecting the character of God in your life. And the question is, do you reflect the character of God in your life? Do you reflect the character of God in your life? So then he goes on then to verses 4 through 7. And talks about endurance in ministry. So let's look at these verses together here. We talked about these briefly last week, but let's just go over. He talks about some things. Because of ministry, this is the stuff he went through. And we spent a lot of time, actually went off on a little bit of a rabbit trail last week, talking about these issues. So look at verse 4. Last part of verse 4. As ministers of God, in much patience, or it could be translated in endurance, in tribulations, in needs, in distresses, in stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in sleeplessness, in fastings, by purity, by knowledge, by long suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Spirit, by sincere love, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left. So let's look here. First of all, he's going to tell us some areas of endurance. He reflected his ministry in all manner of hardship and persecution. And we talked a little bit about this. What, notice what he says here. Look at verse 4, last part of 4, 5. In much patience, that is in much endurance, in labors, excuse me, in tribulations, in needs and distresses, in stripes, and again stripes is beatings, being whipped, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in sleeplessness, And in fastings, that's literally going without food. So even this is what ministry was to him. Ministry was not an easy cakewalk. Ministry was not something that everything was going to be easy and wonderful. It was hardship. It was persecutions. It was being mocked. It was all of that. And so he wanted to reflect in his life that he was a minister of the gospel, a servant of God. Even in spite of all those things. And think about it. If it's wonderful, we'll think, oh yes, I want to serve Jesus. And so we'll set out to serve Jesus, and then we get thrown for a loop when there's a problem. And we'll even go back and complain to the Lord and say, Lord, I thought you wanted me to do this. In fact, there's a good Old Testament illustration of this. This was uh, Moses, remember? Moses, the burning bush. Moses goes to Egypt. Moses goes before Pharaoh, says, let my people go. And what does Pharaoh say? Oh, yes, go right ahead, take him. Did he do that? No. He heaped more work upon him because of that. And you'll read right after that, that Moses goes to God and says, God, George Cannon paraphrase here, I must have got something wrong, Lord. You must have not been communicating. I must have missed something. in the. Maybe I didn't say the right thing or something because it ain't turning out the way you told me it would be. And see, we're the same way. We'll, we'll have those obstacles that, that come before us. Oh, for those we went through uh, experiencing God, the crisis of belief. The crisis of belief. But see here, Paul, he reflected his ministry in all manners of hardship and persecution. He understood that it was going to be a part of his ministry. Look, having faith is not going to be easy anymore. And so understand that. So ministry for you and I is going to be like, not to the extreme that Paul had. We're not going to have somebody take us and take us to the public square and whip us. But you are going to face hardships. And so he reflected ministry in all manner of hardship and persecution. Next thing, he endured because of the resources that are available through spiritual disciplines. Now here's how he did it. How could he keep this how could, he, how could he keep it up? How could he, even in spite of all of this, keep plugging on for Jesus? Keep plugging on trying to reflect Christ in his life in spite of all this stuff that's happening. Because if it was you and I, we'd say, boy, hang it up, man. I'll just become a closet Christian. How could he do that? Well, look what he says here. Verse 6. By purity. That is the way he lived his life. By knowledge. The knowledge of what? The knowledge of truth. By long-suffering. That's patience. Being patient. By kindness. That was the manner in which he acted towards others. By the Holy Spirit. The empowerment of the Holy Spirit in his life. Notice that. By sincere love. By genuinely loving people. Because here, let me explain something to you. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you can look at people in the community and you can have a different perspective of them because you have the mind of Christ now. Because when you see them, even though their actions are not right, even though they're doing the wrong thing, even though they maybe are persecuting you, you can look at them with love and recognize you don't know Jesus. And if you knew Jesus, it would be different. And so you love them. Because you recognize, well, it's really, I think the term is pity. Because you recognize, look, here's what the Bible says. We already talked about it earlier. That if they don't know Christ, they are blinded by who? The God of this world. So when they respond with the actions that they're doing, it's because they've been blinded by the evil one. They don't know any different. They don't know any better. They don't have the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ only comes with what? Salvation. You know, when I got saved, my whole perspective changed. The way I viewed life changed. The way I look at the news changed. Why? Because I started reading the Bible a lot. I did read the Bible a lot. But I now had the Holy Spirit within me. And he gave me a different understanding. Do you see what I'm saying? So when you look at people around you, you can have a sincere love. So even in spite of what Paul was going through, he could show sincere love. Here, let me give an example of this. Think about this. Think about Philippi. They go and preach the gospel there. He and Silas. They're falsely accused. Taken and beaten. Literally whipped. Thrown into a dungeon. That night, of course, you know the story. Earthquake comes. Doors fly open. The jailer comes in. And I'm going to be honest with you. The, the person who probably whipped him was the jailer and others. And he's going to kill himself. It was you and I... And we just went through that. If we weren't walking in the Spirit, if we weren't where we should be, we would probably say, go ahead, take your life. But what did Paul do? Paul stopped him. Paul even went the next step further. Paul reached out and gave him the gospel. And he and his whole family would say, this is probably the guy that just beat him. Could you do that? I'll never forget this. It was about 50... It was 15 years ago, there was a criminal down, uh, a convict down in Florida that just got executed. And uh, they were talking about the execution, and I guess he had raped and killed some girl. And they were interviewing the dad. And they were asking the dad how he felt about justice finally being served. And the dad said this, and I believe he was a Christian man, but this is what the dad said. I'll never forget it. He said this. How do I feel? I'm angry. The guy says, well, he just got executed. Yeah, but it took the state so long to do it. Well, that's just the way the system is. Yeah, but in the process, he got saved. And now he's in heaven when he should be in hell. You see what happens? Aren't we glad that Paul wasn't that way? Sincere love is what he talks about. He's able to do it because he sincerely loves people, even people who hurt us, even who hurt us. You say, well, George, you've never been through that situation. How in the world can you even make a statement if you were, if you felt the pain that guy felt? You couldn't. You you would uh, you would just say, well, you have to understand, you have to be there. Well, I have been there. I think a lot of you know that my dad was murdered. And I don't understand it, but I know that just two days after the murder, I was in a prayer meeting in that little Baptist church in Columbia. And I found myself asking God to forgive that man who killed my dad. Because I recognized, and this had to be God, because I was a brand new Christian. I hadn't even been saved a year. And it had to be the Holy Spirit within me to give me the ability to do this, because I was able to say, Lord, forgive that man, because it wasn't, because he was a black man, and you have to understand, come from the South. You know what I'm saying? There's that racial connotation and everything. It had nothing to do with the color of his skin. It had to do with the fact that his eyes were blinded by sin. And I could forgive. See, God's ability to, can give you the ability to do that. And see, Paul understood that. So he endured because of the resources that were available through what? The spiritual disciplines. Through prayer. What? You go to God and you say to God, God... I don't feel like forgiving that person. Help me. You told me to forgive as I have been forgiven. Give me the strength to do it. Remember, we talked about this earlier. He's able to do things because of what? For without me, what? You can do nothing. You're able to do that. You're able to do that. So let's let's continue on. Now let's look at his persistence. He kept, not only was he enduring it, he persisted in his ministry. So look with me at 7, last part of 7 through the first part of verse 8. By the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, as deceivers and yet true. So here's what he's saying, the source of his persistence. Paul was able to persist because of Christ's righteousness in his life. This is why he was able to do it, because of the righteousness of Christ in his life. He was able to persist in ministry, in spite of the difficulties, in spite of the hardship, because of God's righteousness. Because of God's righteousness. You know, recognize it's not our righteousness. Do we have any righteousness? Righteousness? Now, we may act righteous but we don't have any righteousness you understand there's nothing righteous about us when you think about think about who you are and your thoughts and everything think about that think about i mean i mean there's nothing righteous about us but yet through Christ's righteousness he was able to persist what is it about Christ's righteousness that would make him to be able to persist the extreme example of Christ's righteousness was his obedience to the cross his obedience to the cross so that you and I can have salvation. So when you think about what God did for us and what awaits us because of his righteousness, then you're able to persist and do what God's called you to do. And that's what he was doing. So here, that righteousness enabled Paul to advance and defend. Let me give you an example because he said, notice what he said. By the armor of righteousness on the right hand... And on the left. Now, the Roman soldier used his right hand to attack. Have you know, if ever seen the picture? He had a sword in his right hand, so he advanced with his sword. With the left hand, he had what? A shield to defend. So, basically, in order to, he, righteousness allows us to defend ourselves against what? The accusations of the enemy, the accusations of the world. But righteousness also allows us to advance in this world against the enemy and against the world. Because we understand. So he's able to do that. Now look at the areas of persistence. Here's where he was able to persist in. Paul was able to persist in spite of being honored or dishonored by others. In spite of being honored or dishonored, he was able to persist. Don't you say... What do you mean persist in spite of being honored? Well, you can get to the place where you have so many people come up to you and throw so much praise on you that you're basically left immobile. Because here's what our human tendency is. When we get a lot of praise, all of us struggle with the issue of what? Pride. And you can get to the place where you've got so many people coming and just stroking your feathers that you just basically become, you just sit around and think, boy, I I must be... Boy, I am good, ain't I? You know, you start thinking that way. You know? And and you've seen it. You've seen it at work where a guy, you know, he's really a hard worker and then all of a sudden until the boss starts really saying, Boy, you're really... And then all of a sudden he starts thinking, Yeah, I am good. The company can't run without me. You ever ever met a guy like that? The company can't run without me. Most workless guy around. But the company can't run. In fact, you realize real quickly... And when you're sick or off for a while, the company still keeps on going, don't you? You know what I'm saying? They just find somebody else to go and do your job. So, honor can be a hindrance as well as what? Dishonor. And so Paul says, even in spite of both of those things, what? He persisted. He persisted in ministry. He persisted in ministry. Can I tell you something? Satan uses both. Because he understands humanity. He understands us. And if he can get us to have a big head, and he knows that that, we're going to get wrapped up in ourselves and do stuff based upon ourselves, then he's hindered us from doing what we're supposed to do. That's why the Bible always says about being humble. About humility. So, he was able to persist in spite of being honored and dishonored by others. Paul was able to persist whether a good report or a bad report was given concerning him. So he was able to, another way of saying it, he was able to persist whether somebody gave a good report about him or somebody gave a bad report about him. Because sometimes bad reports, you know how it is, if somebody, if some word's going around that you're you're, you're you just knock the strength right out of you. It's like, why even bother? Because I'm just being attacked. Just being attacked. The point is, is that Paul saying, look, I'm going to persist whether there's a good report or a bad report. A good report or a bad report. Okay, now let's look at the areas, the appearance of ministry. So he's going to talk now about how ministry should appear. Look at verse 8, last part. As deceivers and and yet true, as unknown and yet well known, as dying and behold we live, as chastened and yet not killed, as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing as poor, yet making many rich as having nothing, yet possessing all things. So here's where we're going to wrap up these last three things here. First of all, the accusations against Paul. Paul was accused of being a deceiver. Remember, this is the struggle that's going on in the Corinthian church. Remember I told you the underlying issue in this letter because sometimes First, Second Corinthians... Is considered a very difficult letter to read, and the reason why is, is because one of the things that Paul's dealing with is, is that he's got to reintroduce himself to the Corinthian believers. Because they've been listening to liars, to deceivers, to Judaizers who are bringing into question Paul's credibility. And remember, over and over again, Paul's saying, Guys, do I need to reintroduce? Do I have to bring letters of commendation? Guys, do I need to reintroduce? I'm the guy who started your church. You know who I am. And so, Paul says that even in spite of the fact he was doing what he was doing, even in spite of the fact that he was being accused as being a deceiver. A deceiver. Now, the Judaizers would say that for a reason. Why do you think they would call him a deceiver? What did they want Christians to do? Anybody have any idea? What did the Jewish Christians, the Judaizers from Jerusalem, want to do? Yeah, I wanted to follow, the, be circumcised, eat the way you know, follow the dietary laws, do everything, you know, keep the Sabbath holy, things like that. Which Gentiles, you know what I'm saying, how would you like somebody to come tell you you can no longer have a hot Italian sausage? No more hot Italian sausages. No more bacon with your eggs. Paul stressed that in spite of his this accusation, he is truthful. Even in spite of the fact that they're accusing him of being a deceiver. He's truthful. He's telling the truth. He's saying to them, guys, understand something. Even in spite of it. As deceivers, and what, and yet true. I'm, what I'm telling you is the truth. Don't listen to this guys. They may label us as deceivers, but the fact is, we bring the message of truth. And then notice the status of Paul. And this is where verse 9 and 10. As Paul endured terrible, terrible circumstances, he was able to keep a focus on God. He was able to keep his focus on God. Even in spite of what was happening. Even in spite of what was happening. He could keep his focus on God. Can I tell you the secret? He's already told us. How did he do that? Go back. Through the spiritual disciplines. What are you talking about disciplines, George? Listen, can I be honest with you? How many of you struggle with prayer? don't answer it but just you know talk to yourself yeah you know, I struggle with perjury how many of you struggle with bible reading that's why they're referred to as disciplines in order for you to continue on to them you've got to discipline your life to because in and of yourself your natural being is not going to want to do those things it's just like exercise I mean we gotta exercise I mean that's that's a discipline isn't it It's the same thing. You've got to exercise what does Timothy, Paul say to Timothy? Exercise yourself unto godliness. And that's the spiritual discipline. How are you going to endure if life's going to throw stuff at you? And it will, won't it? It will. Let's just wake up to the reality. Life is going to throw stuff at you. The only way you're going to endure is spending that time with him. Because he's the one who gives you strength. He's the one who gives you understanding. He's the one that helps you. And I'll close with this illustration. I mentioned to you before that I pastored in Canada for four years. And uh, the last year was probably the most difficult year of ministry that I've ever had in my life. And I never want to go through that again, ever. And... Stuff wasn't making sense. You know, you would have a business meeting and 99% of the people would vote one way, in an agreement. And you think, okay, that little issue settled. Two weeks later, more than half the church would change their mind after a meeting. And when you pastor a church, how do you pastor a church? Like, You can't pastor a church when you have public meetings and everybody agrees and then turn around and then all of a sudden there's meetings after the meetings and, and things were just getting terrible and, and people were withholding their tithes and Lori and I were going without, our, without pay. And think about it. We had Foster and Natty. That was 1999. Natty was three. Foster's two. And, I, and I, I'm there on a, a visa, which means I can only labor as a pastor, so it's not like I can go get another job. And every night, Lori and I talk every night. We try to talk every night. But during that time, I would say, okay, you go into bed. I'm going to read and pray a little bit. And I would pray. And I would talk to God about what's going on. I'd talk to God about the struggles. that I don't understand what's going on, Lord. It's just like everything was falling apart. Because everything was wonderful. People were getting saved, everything. It's like what? It was all over a basement. We were going to build a new building. Whether or not we should have a basement. Talk about stupid stuff we fight over. And I remember every night after praying, I'd have a peace. Philippians says this, Be anxious for nothing, but in all things through prayer and supplication make your requests made known unto God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ. And I would have that peace. He didn't say to me, George, this is what's going to happen next. This is what you need to do. No. He didn't do that. Thankfully, he didn't. If he had told me, I probably would have left town earlier. But he gave me a peace which would give me the strength for the next day. And the only way that I can have strength for the next day is because I spent time with God. But the reality is, for all of us, we don't spend time with God. We spend time with our habit. Whether it's chocolates, cheeseburgers, TV, whatever it is. And expect that to give us strength. Now, I know, maybe chocolates will give you strength, but you're only going to get true strength from spending time with God. So he was what? He was able to keep his focus. Are you able to keep your focus? If you're not able to keep your focus, then I would say that what you need to do is spend time with God. Okay, let's close our time in prayer.